From Leader Me Weekly, I'm Molly Garcia. This is The Empowering Teacher. Oh, I feel just so out of sync. Like I have no control over anything. And as a teacher, I need to know what's coming my way. I need to have control over things so I can feel some sense of peace in this whole pandemic season. I mean, I don't even know my daily schedule. It's like I have to be ready to pivot at the drop of a hat and I don't have my feet firmly planted on the ground. Are we staying hybrid? Are we going back to distance learning? Will my kids even get back to campus this year? <sighs> things are just so uncertain and I'm not sure I can handle one more change. I know my kids need me to be strong and positive and have this we can conquer the world attitude. But how can I do this when I just don't know what tomorrow holds? Welcome everyone. Today we're looking at moving from uncertainty to opportunity. How do we embrace change when we simply don't know what tomorrow holds? When we want to be and we need to be a grounded adult in our students' lives, how can we find that grounding first for ourselves? Well, to help us navigate our way through this question, we're going to be spending some quality time with the president of Franklin Covey Education and New York Times bestselling author, Mr. Sean Covey. How you doing, Molly? Good to be with you. Sean, thank you for sharing a space with us today around this very real topic of embracing change in the midst of this storm. As you know, last March, teaching and education changed in seismic ways, and we honestly found ourselves in a world overflowing with so many unknowns. We had to pivot to adapt to so many things so quickly that some of us are actually still feeling untethered. And as I share this reality for many of us, we're just curious, is this the same for you? I mean, come on, we're talking to someone who grew up with Dr. Stephen Covey. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think that this has been hard. I'm watching my kids. I've got two kids in high school right now and a, and a kid in middle school and the schedule keeps changing. It's blended and then it's all online and my kids are are playing football right now as well. And that's been off and on. They're getting tested every week. So it's, a, it's been a difficult time for me as well. And, you know, speaking of my father, I, you know, he passed away about eight years ago, but his words are still in my head all the time. You know, he was always uh, teaching us kids to take responsibility for everything. And so I'm always, I'm kind of conditioned to say, well, what are you going to do about it? I know this is tough, but what are you going to do to make it better? And there's always great opportunities in trials. You know, I, I think back on some of my experiences growing up, you know, I would come home from school and I'd say something like, dad, I'm going to flunk algebra and it's my teacher's fault and I can't stand him. He's an idiot. And he'd take me aside and say, now, Sean, listen to your language. You're kind of being a victim here, aren't you? If you have a problem with your teacher, why don't you go talk to him instead of talking about him? And, uh, you know, what are you going to do about it? If you flunk algebra, then it's your own fault. <laughs> I still have those memories in the back of my head. But these are difficult times. And habit one, be proactive. What we teach in the seven habits is so key about um, choosing your own weather. You know, that, that idea of you can't control everything that happens to you, but you can't control your response to it. And there's always hidden opportunity in trials and choosing to have your own weather, your own emotional weather, I think is, is so key at a time like this. I have to tell you, I've heard and read more times than I can count 
how people are just glad that the year is behind us. And truly, our hope is 21 will be different. And then I pause and I wonder, will it be? I mean, how does an empowering teacher approach this next year so that outside influence, this storm of uncertainty, doesn't drag us back to that feeling that so many of us felt last year? We have to ask, what do we do differently and where do we even begin? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, if you think about uh, 2020 and we keep saying when this pandemic hit in March, I think everybody thought, oh, it's just going to be a few months, right? And that's why I think it's so important at a time like this to focus on things you can control. Martin Seligman, the great author that wrote Authentic Happiness, you know, he talks about uh, the three things that determine your happiness. And he said, one is genetics. It plays a factor. One is circumstances, like what's happening to us right now. The third is focusing on things you can control. And he said, by far, the research shows it's the most important key to happiness. In other words, if you want to be happy, you focus on what you can control. And if you want to be unhappy, you focus on all the influences and circumstances that you can control. And uh, we call that, you know, the circle of influence and circle of concern in the seven habits language. And the idea basically is to say, what can I control? I'm going to focus on that. I can control my own moods. I can control my actions, what I think, what I feel, um, how I treat other people. I can't control how other people treat me. I can't control the environment, the pandemic. Really, it's one of the key things to being a proactive person is to focus in on the things you can control. And one of the best ways to get control of your life, if you're feeling out of control or a little bit flustered or not anchored, is to really make a commitment to yourself and keep it or set a goal and go after it. Because just, just by saying, you know what, I'm going to do this thing, it causes you to focus in on the things you can control and things that you have influence over. And you can really, you know, take control of your life just by setting a small goal and going after it, getting your head out of all the things that um, you worry about that you can't control. Your conversation welcomes in that essence of habit one. And I can't help but to think about the most recent release of your dad's book, the 30th anniversary edition of the seven habits of highly effective people. Right. You masterfully added insights to each chapter And in what you contributed to Habit One, Be Proactive, you talk about your awareness of the difference between being an agent of change versus a victim through your own paradigm shift. How can all of us listening today begin to make the same shift when perhaps the feelings of what's happening outside just seem so overwhelming of what you were just sharing right now? Well, I'll just start by saying I think it's hard. It's so easy to become a victim to circumstances and to events and to things around us. And you have to catch yourself because I do it all the time. Uh, Just the other day, I was just so frustrated with being on Zoom all day. (laughs) And I thought, this is killing me. I'm going to go crazy. And I started reading articles about Zoom fatigue. And I thought, this is is real. And I was feeling like I was upset at my assistant for overscheduling me. And I thought, wait a minute, I'm not, I've got control of this. Why don't I just set breaks in between Zoom calls? (laughs) And then why don't I change some of these Zoom meetings to phone calls? It made all the difference. But it's so easy to become, you know, reactive to our circumstances. Uh, In the book, you you mentioned the 30th anniversary edition. I was asked by the publisher to add insights to the seven habits. And I'm 
I thought initially, no way, I'm not touching it. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't want my dad haunting me from his grave saying, you ruined my book. (laughs) But uh, after a while, I thought about it. I thought, you know, I think uh, Stephen would love if I added insights to show the impact that the seven habits are having upon the world and on kids and on leader me schools around the world, which is so cool. But in the, one of the insights I shared in Habit One was a experience I had one time with my father. And this was just a, a little bit before he passed away. He said, Sean, how's it going at work? And it was the wrong time to ask me the question because I was just full of my own pity at the time. And I said, oh, my gosh, Dad, it's the worst. I, my commute's killing me and I'm traveling way too much. And, you know, my boss is micromanaging and I went on and on and just complained. And I was hoping for a sympathetic ear, you know, I'd say, Oh, Sean, I'm so sorry. Come over here. Let me give you a hug. (laughs) But instead he was just like disgusted. He went, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you? (laughs) Gee, Sean, you're such a victim. If You don't like your commute, then move. If you don't like your schedule, then change it. If you're not getting along with your boss and figure it out, it's probably your problem, not his. (laughs) It was like a cold, hard slap in the face. And it was so true. And I remember going home and thinking, oh, my gosh, how did I fall into that trap? And what's wrong with me? And why pull out of it? We have to remind ourselves all the time that we are agents and we are in charge and we can't control all the things happening to us all around us, all the hard things, difficult things, good things. But we always have control over what we do about it. And We are not our moods. We are not our habits. We are not even our thoughts. We are agents of change and we can stand apart and observe ourselves. This is called self-awareness. We can stand apart from ourselves and say, I don't like that about myself. I don't like that attitude that I have right now or those feelings I'm having and I can choose otherwise. That's the essence of, of being a proactive person. Yeah. You know, there's such a strong connection to this idea of our mindset, right? An agent of change has a choice of mindset. And in your reflections, you share Carol Dweck's research on mindsets, which resonates with our teachers. It's something we're familiar with, this idea of having two distinct paradigms. So talk to us about what is the connection between her research and the work behind fixed mindset, growth mindset, and habit one and this idea of proactivity? Well, Carol Dweck is famous for her theory of growth mindset and fixed mindset. In the Seven Habits Insights, I I talk about a lot of this research, which completely backs up everything my father wrote about in 1989 on being proactive. You know, some people have a growth mindset, which means that they believe that their intelligence and their talent is not fixed. It can grow and it can develop. And if you have that kind of paradigm, you, you're always looking for new opportunities. Good things happen to you. You interpret the world differently. You see it through a different lens, a different paradigm versus someone that has a fixed mindset, which basically says, you know what? My talent is kind of fixed. My intelligence is fixed. There's not much I can do about it. I see others the same way. We had a little uh, seminar on this the other day on growth versus fixed mindset. And we took a survey and I took it and I scored kind of in the high end that I viewed the world through a growth mindset. I thought to myself, I think 10 years ago, I would have been much lower on the scale where I thought that intelligence and talent were more fixed. And a lot of it's come through watching my own children and how early on, sometimes I had paradigms of my kids that weren't accurate and I underestimated them. I always thought, well, maybe intelligence isn't fixed, 
but talent is physical talent. I have two boys and growing up, one of my boys, Weston, just naturally from early on, he was so gifted with shooting a basketball or running or doing anything athletically. And then Nathan was kind of clumsy and uh, he'd play basketball or hit a golf ball and he couldn't swing correctly. And Weston would just naturally swing. And, and I had this paradigm of, well, Nathan's got no talent physically and that's okay. He's got talents in other areas and Weston's gifted. And then I watched as, as Nathan decided to play basketball and I thought, well, good luck. <laughs> and he goes out and he just keeps working at it, working at it and takes private lessons and, how over time he became unbelievable in basketball, better than Weston. This is just one example of many. Watching my children develop over time has just caused me to rethink my growth mindset. And more and more, I just, I'd never underestimate people. I think Leader in Me is all about that. When I first saw Muriel Summers at her school, A.B. Combs, and I came home and I said to my wife, oh my goodness, I just, I just saw the most amazing thing she said, well, what was different about this school, A.B. Combs? And I said, it was as if every teacher believed every child was a genius. That's what I felt and saw. So talk about growth mindset. Yes. Um, that's what I felt at that school is this growth mindset that every intelligence and talent is unbounding. It can keep growing forever and you have it in you. So I think the research backs up the whole idea of being proactive, that there's choices to be made and you are who you are because of your choices, not your circumstances. Right. Yeah. And I love in both of those examples, Sean, with A.B. Combs and with your own children, you bring in those staples, those foundational pieces to habit one through that importance of the pause, right? That self-awareness, using proactive language and working within our circle of influence, those things that we truly can control and you also bring something to the table in conversation right now is the power of grit mm-hmm. in Angela Duckworth's um, research. So we know that in times of adversity, grit can become our best friend. Tell us more about that. How can grit help us navigate through 2021? I love uh, her work, Angela Duckworth, on grit. It's completely in alignment with the whole idea of taking initiative. You know, being proactive means two things. Being responsible for your life, for your mood, your actions, and taking initiative. And grit's all about taking initiative. And grit basically means it's perseverance, not through weeks or months, but oftentimes over years. And at a time like this, um, it's just, you know, being strong over time, persevering and achieving goals and just sticking to it. I, I think that wins out in the end. That brings us to this idea of a transition person. It, mm-hmm. Again, it's something that you refer to in your insights. Share with us, through the lens of an empowering teacher, what are those attributes of a transition teacher? Yeah, well, the idea of a, a transition teacher or a transition person is you pass on whatever negative tendencies or patterns that you've inherited, okay? And sometimes they come from your family. It might be a generational thing of tendencies or patterns or habits or addictions that are passed on to you. Or sometimes it's environmental you know, or sometimes it's, you're in a bad environment, this, you know, negative patterns or habits or language. And transition person is kind of, is the idea of you stop it now in your, with you, in your generation and to your children or to your students, you pass on 
positive tendencies and patterns and habits and language. That's, that's the, basically the whole idea. And so in a sense, it's, if I'm a transition teacher, I'm looking at my students. Okay. I've got 35 students in my class and I say, all this stuff that's happening around me and all this negative and maybe some of the challenges my school's having or I've had, I'm going to stop that in my, with me. <laughs> and I'm going to pass on positive things in the hopes that they will also pick up my positive tendencies and habits and patterns and pass on something good too. That's how it would work is to look at yourself as someone that's stopping the negative and passing on the good. And the power of that, you know, being in your class to say, I have my 35 students, I'm going to help them and try to let all these negative influences not pass into them and, and see the positive in this pandemic so that what they're getting is the best of me and not the negative baggage. Yeah. It's so real, right? The idea of just the essence of habit one and bringing it back down to choice, right? I'm, I have to tell you, I'm blown away at the practicality and simplicity in essence of what you're saying. The idea that we have power within us to embrace change with choice, that we can choose our mindset, our words, and embrace a pause to align to those core principles to the outcome that we want, not just today, but in weeks to come and in the future. It's profound and it's practical. Absolutely, it is. Okay, Sean, here we go. Four more quick questions before our pause, okay? I don't want you to overthink these. I just want to share out what comes to mind immediately without giving it a second thought. What would your kids say was the most embarrassing thing you've ever done as a dad? Singing to their friends. (laughs) That's a dad move right there, Sean. (laughs) What's your favorite movie line? From uh, Dumb and Dumber. So you say, and there's a chance. All right, last question. As a result of your vast experiences as a thought leader, taking in your experiences, the relationships over the years, and mission-driven decisions, what would you say is a synonym for the word leadership? Affirm. Affirm. Yeah, affirm. John Wooden has a quote that says, the most powerful leadership tool that you have is your own personal example. So thank you for your personal example. Sean, you never Rock cease to amaze us with your insight. Oftentimes, seriously, there are, are amazing silver linings to these dark clouds that hit us. When you think about the opportunity we have to reinvent ourselves, to reinvent how we teach. We've learned how to suddenly get digital really well. But you think about the good things that can come from this and how, how we can learn to be more blended and how certain things can be done digitally better than live. And I just feel like it's an opportunity for a teacher to look at your, your teaching approach and say, you know what, I can do this better. Um, and from the key learnings I've gotten from, you know, having to go all online, or if you're a principal, the same thing, what can I do differently in my school? It could be my year of wonders, or as a district superintendent, there could be some really good ideas and new patterns and things that come out of this that we never would have imagined you know, had this not happened, let's look for those great outcomes that could could take place and try to make this your own year of wonders, whatever that might look like. Yeah, year of wonders. It's that pivot from uncertainty to opportunity. This this year of wonders, right? The the brilliance right. of the pause, right? Self awareness, what's going on, and then let's imagine all the possibilities that this could bring for us. Yeah. Everyone, we'll be back with some more greatness from Sean in just a moment. Welcome to the Paradigm Pause, where we take a moment to reflect on our own paradigms, our mental map for how we see, 
understand, and interpret the world. Today, let's dive into the paradigm nurtured by an empowering teacher, especially as it relates to habit one, be proactive, and our ability to choose in any and every situation. Sean helped us unpack this today. We can choose to be a victim of our circumstances, or we can choose how we will respond to those circumstances. Let's pause and think for a second. Why did we choose to be teachers? Was it to teach only with certain stipulations in place? I will only be an empowering teacher on a perfect day where everything goes exactly as planned. Or did we choose our calling, our profession, because we choose to see the worth and potential in every student, even on the most unpredictable of days? What is our choice in each moment, regardless of the circumstances? Transition teachers unleash a whole new way of seeing their students, their colleagues, and challenges in their classrooms. A team of transition teachers make up a leadership school, and a leadership school lives the power of the paradigm. We all have the freedom to choose. So I ask you today, what will you choose? Hey guys, welcome to the Max and Holly Show. He's Max. And she's Holly. And today we're talking about goals. No, today we're talking about wigs. Max and Holly do the four disciplines. Watch the series at leaderandme.com. And that's why when you have a wildly important goal, it's absolutely essential to have a compelling scoreboard. Oh, Max, Max, we gotta get started. Sean, I have to tell you, this is hands down the most disruptive year in the lives of our teachers. And knowing that change is one of the few constants in life. What would you recommend as the one best thing to take us a step closer to that stance that we want to take as empowering teachers, that this time is a time for leadership and opportunity? I think the one thing you can do is just remember between everything that happens to us and happens to you and what you do about it, there's a space. And in that space, you are free to choose. So I just feel like at a time like this, we've just got great mental capacities. I think we're stronger than we think Mm -hmm. to overcome challenges and to reinvent things and to rethink. And uh, oftentimes we just need to be reminded of that space that we have between stimulus, what happens to us and our response, what we do about it. Well, I have to tell you the heart of a teacher is really built around that growth mindset. They want so much for their kids They love them unconditionally, and they're reflective in nature. So what you just shared really provides tools for them to really own that and arm it, right? We're stronger than we think, and that's a great way for us to hang on to that insight as we move forward. Well, thank you, thank you, thank you, Sean. Team, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you to all of our listeners out there. And of course, Sean, thank you for your time and your insights and your genius. 